0: Log Talk Radio.
1: Hey there, thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Burke Allen here from Washington, D.C., and the program, a service of SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. What does that mean? Well, if you're a meeting planner or you are a speaker, visit SpeakerMatch.com and figure out how to get together and ask them about uh, these new virtual speaking opportunities that are part of our new world order. If you'd like to be on the show today, our number is five one six four one eight five six three five. That's five one six four one eight five six three five. You can also drop us a question or comment in our chat room as we welcome to the program today, Marie Elizabeth Molly. Now, as you and I and about ninety one percent of the rest of the world knows, we are all hunkered down and sheltered in place, and maybe too much family time is just too much. Is it taking a toll on you or is that unfair? Let's talk to Marie Elizabeth Molly, and you can visit her online at m.e.molly.com. She's a relationship artist. Hey Marie Elizabeth, how you doing?
0: Hi, it's great to hear you. I'm doing great.
1: So where in the country are you based?
0: I'm in Los Angeles and uh, technically Marina Del Rey right now.
1: So in, in California, your governor there you know, came out very quickly and put pretty stringent stay-at-home orders in place. And it seems to be working out on the West Coast as we do this podcast. Some states, mostly in the southeastern United States, are beginning to, to release sort of the stranglehold on the country. And I wonder if, if you have uh, a take on whether uh, this time that we've all been sort of put together in this mishmash at home – is a good thing or a bad thing, or is it really a mixed bag?
0: Well, I'm a full supporter of sheltering in place. Um, I, as you said, I think it's been really effective here. I've been I've been staying home since I got off an airplane on March 13th and um, canceled everything. And um, I think it's crucial. I, we're seeing the effects in New York of delaying having started it and how devastating that is in a crowded city. Um, Frankly, I'm scared for the states that are opening up again. um, And I'm hoping that things will be okay. You know, um, I know it's hard to stay home. And I've been talking to a lot of people lately about stress levels and handling their stress and what it's doing to their relationships and how challenging it can be to shift to working at home when you're not used to that, especially if you have kids now at home. So I know it's really hard for people, but the alternative is what, you know, it's not good.
1: Marie Elizabeth Molly is our guest today. And we're talking about stress in relationships, especially these sudden relationships that have become much more intense while we're dealing with an intense time with this COVID-19 pandemic and everybody is working from home. If you'd like to be on the show, we'd love to hear from you at 516-418-5635. So you talked about uh, your last airplane ride was March 13th, and I think that's when uh, it really began to get serious here on the East Coast. I I live and work in Washington, D.C., and I remember very distinctly that day, Friday the 13th, um, yeah. because the, the day, the day prior, I have a 15 year old son and, um, he was scheduled to you know go to school on March 13th. And, uh, they were going to make some decisions after that. And then very late the night of the 12th or maybe even after midnight, uh, an email came out from the, the Fairfax County, Virginia school system where we live that said, Hey, look, uh, you know, we're going to cancel school tomorrow and you know what, they're not going to be back till the end of the year. And so suddenly, you know, I have. Uh, a 15-year-old son at, at home with me. And like you, I traveled a lot with business and I had many flights that got canceled, you know, subsequent to that. Um, I will tell you, maybe I'm a glass half full guy, Marie Elizabeth, but mm. I have really, really enjoyed this extra time that's been afforded for my son and I to, to spend together. I, you know, i I see an inline with him where he's going to leave for college in a few years, and, and these uh, extra hours and extra days have been a real blessing, I think, for him and for me. But mm-hmm. I'm sure there are an awful lot of other folks out there that it's not the same if you happen to be in a, an abusive relationship, if you're in a relationship with someone who has uh, alcohol or, or drug problems. Um, mm-hmm. th- these are, are, are tough times. So what are you seeing out there in, in the folks that you work with?
0: Well, first of all, I love that you're having this experience with your son. I think I think that is the hidden potential of this time, which is to deepen our relationships, grow our love for one another, learn how to connect deeper in spite of adversity or maybe because of it. I, I see a lot of potential in this time. And our habituated responses to stress tend to get in the way. So you named a common issue, which is alcohol or substance abuse, any kind of addictive thing. If you have stress, you're going to tend to turn to those things more than you would at a time when you're not so stressed out. So you, so I'm seeing some amplification of those issues. I'm seeing, like you said, domestic violence. I don't have any personal contact with clients who are in that situation, but it's happening and it's rampant. And I see a lot of things going around social media, like if you're in that situation, post something about I want to make a mask or I want to quilt something and I'll help you. You know, so there's a lot of kind of people trying to help with that. Um, But I want to speak a bit about how to navigate stress together. So each of us has our own habituated nervous system response to stress. And this is nothing to be ashamed of or try to change because it's involuntary. It happens at the level of our subconscious mind. So we may, I'm gonna give you a personal example. I speed up. When I get stressed out, I start to try to do more, get more done. I, I you know, read a lot of information. I just can move fast. And when my partner gets stressed out, he starts to move more slowly and get deliberate and make a spreadsheet and try to avoid errors. He has an engineering background, right? And so you can imagine with me speeding up and him slowing down the kind of potential for clash that we might have. And so what we've learned to do is to notice when the other is going into their response. First of all, notice ourselves. Am I going into my stress response? And secondly, notice is he going into his stress response and offer each other support and help instead of letting it get to the point where we're screaming at each other because we're moving at different paces and it doesn't feel good, right? Um, And so the first step is to accept your response for what it is, witness it, and accept it for what it is, and then you can build a gap. By doing that, you can begin to build a gap where you're not often running with it. And then from there, from the gap, you can choose a new response. So for example, I notice myself ramping up and getting faster and tighter and tighter and tighter, and I'm about to blow you know, up at the smallest thing. I might lose my temper. So instead of doing that, I notice, oh, there's a, there's a quickening in my system. I'm, my body is getting tight. That's building the gap. What do I want to do instead? oh, I'm going to leave my computer and take a walk. Oh, let me go upstairs and get a glass of water. Let me just sit down and take a break. Maybe I need a nap. You know, I ask myself what I need and then give that to myself so that I avert the on-ramp to the stress.
1: So being aware of this ahead of time and and being able to react before it gets too late, uh, I think it's probably easier said than done. And I wonder if if you have any tips on, on how to develop that self-awareness.
0: Well, I, I like to use what you're feeling in your body as a cue. And that the first cue can be, you're not feeling your body at all. (laughs) You know, maybe you notice, Oh my God, I'm stuck. My head, my thoughts are moving so fast. Maybe that's your cue. So The practice is basically to start noticing. And, yes, it's easier if you've had a practice of noticing beforehand. Um, Another trick, if it's more difficult to feel your own body, is to notice, listen to your thoughts. So if all of a sudden you start madly criticizing your partner or you want to attack or or maybe – your thoughts are saying like, oh, this is hopeless, I can't do anything, and you want to collapse on the couch. That's a sign. So the, the kinds of things your head is saying to you can also be the cue that you're stressed out.
1: Our guest is Marie Elizabeth Molly, m e Molly dot com is the website if you'd like to talk with her. She's got thirty years in personal development and a master's in traditional Chinese medicine. So we're talking about uh, these at-home stressors since so many of us are under these stay-at-home orders. And you know, there, there were lots of jokes in the beginning about all this, Marie uh, Elizabeth. That, mm. that, gosh, there's going to be a big, uh, going to be a big baby Absolutely. boom here in nine months. Yeah. Lots of kids, but. But there's, uh, frankly, there's probably nothing less sexy than a global pandemic. Uh, and Amen. I wonder, as, as somebody who does relationship, uh, you call it relationship artistry, is, is uh, the term you use? Uh, how do you coach people who suddenly are finding themselves with their significant other way more than they did before? How do you keep that magic mm-hmm. alive? Uh, you know, when when you now are kind of up in each other's business twenty four seven.
0: Yeah, that is such a great question. So first of all, specifically, let's talk about sex because you brought it up. Um, Take the pressure off. One, and and also have a conversation about what level of touch would feel good to you right now, because one person may want to cuddle there, you know, what they feel like doing is cuddling right now, and another person may want to release stress by having sex. And, or maybe you're so prickly because you're stressed out, you don't want to be touched at all. So unless you talk about it with each other, it's going to be hard to win. So by having a frank and open conversation about, oh, I'm really craving touch right now, or I'm not craving touch right now, or I want to have sex, or I don't want to have sex, maybe tonight we just cuddle Maybe tonight uh, you could stroke my hair or massage my feet. Maybe tonight we kiss for a while and see how that feels. Like, take this time as research into following your desire moment by moment as opposed to having some prescriptive idea of what it should look like. Because you you said it so well. Uh, We absorb these ideas from the media or from social media that, oh, we should be, you know, like rabbits going at it like rabbits all the time. Cause now we're, and that's just not true. It's not a sexy time. We're stressed out, which usually shuts down libido. And, and then when we heap pressure on top of that shutdown, it shuts us down even more. So the way to crack through that is with these gentle, A, conversation about where you're at, and B, just gentle research Forays into oh, what happens if I touch your arm right now? Oh, what happens if we kiss? Does that feel good? Etc. And approaching it more like research and feeling what might feel good instead of feeling like you have to get to an end result.
1: Really- Our guest is uh, Marie Elizabeth Molly. She's a relationship artist. She's been in the personal development field, helping people get their relationships in order for almost three decades now. You can visit her online if you'd like to at M E. For Marie Elizabeth M E Molly dot com, uh, Marie Elizabeth, I do some work in the uh, the movie industry, the entertainment industry, and right before mm-hmm. our podcast recording, I had a, a Zoom call with the cast of uh, a major motion picture and uh, a media interviewer, and of course, everybody is doing these Zoom calls from home now, and and I just kind of had to, to laugh. I you know I got everybody on the Zoom call and then I dipped out. But before uh, I dipped out, I noticed that every one of these these uh, Hollywood movie actors just looked like hell on the Zoom call. And and I, I don't I, you know, I can't excuse myself because about a week and a half ago, I stopped shaving, too. But, you know, we all look like uh, Grizzly Adams on this thing. And, and I wonder yeah. uh, and, and, you know, you hear everybody's wearing sweatpants and Uh, You know, ladies are going to be in in big trouble when they have to put on heels uh, later because their feet are not going to have been in heels for at least 45 to 60 days. Does it matter in terms of of a relationship with your significant other, even though you're quarantined together to go that extra mile and and, uh, you know, make yourself at least somewhat presentable? How important is that? Or do you get a free pass because everybody is under quarantine?
0: Great question um, I'm, i' just, I tend to be of the free pass camp um, okay. you know if if your relationship is based on you having to look a certain way to be attractive to your partner, then that's something to delve deeper into. Um, I think that's worth figuring out. however, I'm also a fan of creating date nights for yourself even within quarantine where you do Dress up for one another. Where you do surprise one another with an activity that maybe you don't usually do. Like if you've been, you know, hunkered down with Netflix every night this week, maybe you create a date night where you play a game with one another, or you pick some questions and have a deeper conversation. There's a great resource in the New York Times from a while back that um, that's called Thirty Six Questions. If you Google 36 questions in the New York Times, you'll find it. Um, But it's 36 questions basically that had, they did a research project where people fell in love with each other basically through asking these questions. And and really um, that comes out of having just a deeper sense of intimacy and knowing one another. So you could have a date night where you pick a question or two and talk about it and dress up. And seduce one another, you know there's no reason just because you are um you know not taking so much care of your physical appearance all week long that you couldn't pick one night and make it special
1: Marie Elizabeth Molly, our guest today, we're talking about how to get through these times when we're all thrown together uh in the pandemic quarantine of twenty twenty and if you've got a question and maybe you want to keep it uh, confidential, you don't want your voice to be on the air. That's fine too. Shoot us a note in the Big Time Talker chat room. Um, I noticed in, in looking at your website, you, you were very forthcoming there. You talked about how you were married for a long time to a perfect guy. You said he was perfect. He was handsome, he was rich, creative. He was the life of the party, but you were not happy. It had nothing to do with him. You felt like a misfit because he was the life of the party, and and you were not. It actually began to affect your health and. You were really unhappy, or worse, and you thought it was your fault. And eventually, you uh, extradited yourself from from that marriage, and things are much better now. In today's world, there are an awful lot of people that are, frankly, stuck with someone that they don't want to be stuck with, but because of the situation of the pandemic, uh, they don't have an exit strategy. There is no parachute. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it may seem that way, under the best of circumstances, these are clearly not the best of circumstances to break up with someone. I wonder if you have That's any right. tips on how to keep keep the peace and keep your sanity if you are you know quarantined with someone that that you don't see a long term future with how do you How do you navigate those waters?
0: Yeah, uh, I have a client in that exact situation who is um, living with her ex uh, they had already split up. <laughs> but they were still in the same household and they have two children and, and they're in that exact boat. Like now she can't leave the house even. So they're having to figure out how to navigate, um, you know, co-parenting and also giving each other space and, and all the emotions that are there because they're technically broken up. And so the first, the first thing is to um, really get clear on your boundaries you know, if you're in this situation, you got to set boundaries. And what that looks like is um, being really clear about when and how you want to be interrupted or contacted throughout the day. Like if, if there's a, any way to create some separation between you, even if it's just the room, if you don't have separate rooms where you can get literal space, at least maybe you could create you know, that one desk on one side and a chair on the other and you sort of agree to not uh, interact for periods of time so that you have some personal space from one another. And then the other commitment really has to be to communication. You, it, like, this is not a time to um, stuff everything down and and not communicate because that's going to come out in explosions that are then going to make living together even harder. So as best as possible, communicating how you're feeling and what you need in real time, meaning you don't save it all up for Sunday and then give a barrage of uh, demands or requests or complaints, but that you, in real time each day, touch base and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I need. I need you to, you know, uh, leave me alone for these many hours of the day, or I need to touch base with you every morning so we know what to do with the kids. And then I don't want to talk to you the rest of the day, whatever it is, but have these conversations be clear up front and be clear above all with your boundaries, because now's the time where you have to get good at carving out some space for yourself.
1: Hey, Marie Elizabeth, is there really such a thing as too much family time? I mean, are, are families now in the modern world so accustomed to being on the go and out and about? And I'm not just talking about mom and dad. You know, many kids are, are way overscheduled or certainly are at least very busy with school and after school activity. So in, in your professional opinion, having done this for all these years, is there such a thing as too much family time?
0: I look at it as more of a question of the quality of the family time. I think that, I think there is too much family time if it's forced and superficial, but if you're able to create an environment where you have room to express yourself, you get to be creative together, maybe, or um, play games or uh, cook, you know, uh, you if you're doing creative endeavors if you're connecting in deeply if you're actually present with one another and not all on the phone you know each of you on social media but together but not interacting then that can be too much but if you're actually interacting with each other and interested and curious about one another this time has the potential to really deepen like you're seeing with your son to really deepen and strengthen your family But it's about the quality of the time you're spending together, not the amount.
1: Let's take this in another direction. And by the way, if you're just joining us, Marie Elizabeth Molly is our guest today. She is a relationship artist. What does that mean? That means she's got over three decades working with uh, individuals and couples on their relationships. She's got a master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine. She comes at this from a little different angle. We talked about uh, the family unit being pushed together. Uh, because of social distancing and, and everyone self quarantining, there's also, uh, you know, all over the world, tens of millions of people who suddenly find themselves completely isolated from human interaction. Mm. You know, single people, uh, widowed yeah. folks, and and let's talk about that. I'd love to get your top two or three tips on on how to navigate through these very difficult times if you find yourself suddenly completely and utterly alone?
0: Yeah, the first, uh, that is so hard. And um, to really gently acknowledge to yourself how blindsided you are. So if you do find yourself suddenly alone and unable to have any physical contact, even though we are very virtually connected, and there's the opportunity to have lots of cocktails and friend game nights and movie watching dates with people online. What I find single people are really suffering uh, right now is this lack of physical touch. So first of all, recognize that your system is in shock. You know, you're used to having a certain amount of physical, personal contact with people that just suddenly got taken away. So be gentle recognize your stress responses, and begin to a practice of asking yourself what you need. Here's an opportunity. I mean, I'm an only child, so I'm used to being, I was alone a lot as a child. So I trained myself to cherish aloneness instead of going into loneliness. I think a lot happens with how we look at it. So if you're looking at this time like, oh no, I'm stuck, I'm lonely, I invite you to consider shifting that way of thinking about it to, wow, I have a chance to get to know myself at a whole other level. And yes, it's painfully hard to not get to be in physical contact with people right now. However, you know, I can masturbate, I can <laughs>
1: uh, rub
0: oil on my skin, I can take a bath that would feel good like there are st- I can dance it out. I can do things with my body that will have my body feel good. And let me get to know myself. Like what happens when I do this? What happens when I do that? Again, you can approach this time as research and a chance to deepen your relationship with yourself, and above all, Your acceptance of who you are moment by moment, anytime self-criticism crops up or you think I'm doing this pandemic thing wrong, it's an opportunity for you to cut that off (laughs) and choose a different thought. And because you have so much time to be with yourself right now, what better time to do it?
1: Do you, um, do you think the technology is, is a good thing? Should people take advantage of that? Uh, you know, the Zoom calls that I mentioned I was on earlier, the, the telephone chats, the FaceTime with, with friends and family. You mentioned, you know, virtual game nights or virtual dinners. Is that a good thing?
0: Again, everything in moderation. <laughs> so if you're, if, you're, if you're turning to these things compulsively because you can't be with yourself, then I suggest, you deliberately take some time to not do that and challenge yourself to stay with yourself without distraction. But if your tendency is to isolate and go deep into a well of despair because you're by yourself, then my invitation is to challenge yourself to connect more deliberately, reach out to people you haven't talked to in a while, schedule a game night, right? So whatever your tendency is, you're avoidant or Isolating or compulsive connecting, whichever tendency you have, do the opposite.
1: Marie Elizabeth, we're almost out of time. What am I forgetting to ask you that I should be asking you, and what do you want to you know let our listeners know about how to get through this difficult time?
0: Well, I have some recent uh, I have a recent article that I shared on Medium, which is a blogging platform that's titled five essential questions to ask your partner while you're sheltering in place.
1: So right. what are we'll those five questions? Do you have them in front of you? Okay. We'll, we'll go to medium.com. Uh, let me
0: pull them up. Let yeah. me. I can pull them up. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel. So while I'm pulling up that article, uh, you could, people could go to my YouTube channel for tips, but like the most recent video I put up on the channel is Um, how stress is affecting your relationship and what to do about it. So the five essential questions to ask your partner while you're sheltering in place is, are one, what are you most scared about right now? So recognizing that one of you may be freaking out about money and the other may be freaking out about death, you know, or losing loved ones. So having a clear conversation about what you're each most scared of and how to support one another will have you um, be less reactive when they're not as scared about your thing as you think they should be, right? It's like, why are you not freaking out about this thing? It's like, well, because it's not my thing. My thing is this other thing, right? So if you are here, right? And so this way it avoids a lot of conflict and you know when you need to support one another because each of your fears are getting hit. The second question is, what do you need? How can I help, right? So don't assume that you know what they need because it may have changed. So with stress, for example, in the past, maybe you having a very organized plan for how to fix something was the right thing, but today that's going to get you a slammed door. Like they don't want your five-point plan. They just want to be held, you know? And so if you don't talk to each other about what you actually need, you might be still operating on an old operating system of your relationship that no longer applies because you're just in a completely different space right now. Number three, we've already covered, what's your typical response to stress? So talking with each other about how you each typically respond to stress and then setting up opportunities for noticing that around each other and turning toward helpfulness instead of judgment. Number four, how do you want to set up interruptions if I need to reach you during the workday? So I touched on that lightly in the context of difficult relationships, but in, in great relationships, you might also need to work that out because maybe you have a partner, like I don't like to be interrupted because maybe I'm on a recording like right now. So I don't want him walking in the room, but he can text me and I can answer him when I'm off the interview, for example. Um, Sure. So work that stuff out in advance so that you can win with each other. And then number five is also covered. How much and what kinds of physical connection feel best to you these days? And just having an open, frank, conversation about what you each want sensually and sexually, again so you can win with one another and not just get into conflict
1: We'll look for that top five list on medium.com and M uh, E memolly.com Thank you so much Marie Elizabeth Molly, Molly, you've been fun One
0: last thank you, one last thing to be clear about, Molly is spelled M-A-L-I
1: That's right the letter M, the letter E, M A L I, M E Molly dot com. Relationship artistry is her game, and she's given us some really good tips as we all navigate through uh, this very unusual and crazy time in our world's history. Thank you so much for being on the show today.
0: Thank you, Burke. It's been a great. I, I love your questions. Thank you so much.
1: My pleasure. Hey, thanks for listening. Wherever you are, uh, be safe. Stay healthy thanks to our friends at speakermatch.com for sponsoring the Big Time Talker podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe at Apple iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast and we'll see you again soon. Bye everybody.